I can I can preach the old-fashioned way holding a camp meeting microphone. It'll be all right. We'll get the other part figured out some other time whenever. It doesn't matter. Things that matter, we're going to talk about what really matters, and this is what it is matters. So here we are in a place where we're ready to look at God's Word and believe it together. I've said to you that I'm going to preach a message today about freedom because this is the celebration of our nation's exclamation of victory and freedom. With all the things that there are may be wrong in this country, and I grant you that there are many things that need to be corrected. Without doubt, that's true. At the same time, we've had a renewal of the establishment of the freedom of the religious community in this country just has been thrust upon us again by the actions of our president and our Congress. And, and, and while there are many things to be done, I like it when I say things moving in that direction because I believe that's the right direction. I believe that the foundation of this country is faith in God. When we say that there are certain inalienable rights given to us as the inhabitants and citizens of this country, we're saying that those rights are God-given. There are many in the government who'd like to make us believe that those rights have been given to us by the largesse and the generosity of our government. We don't have freedom of speech and freedom of religion and, and, and the right to bear arms and all the rights and freedoms that we have in this country. We don't have those freedoms because our government decided we could have them. We believe in the statement of the foundation of our country. We have those rights because God gave them to us. And that means that no government can take them away from us because they're God-given rights. That's what inalienable means. They're God-given rights. Unassailed, unquestioned, undoubted, those are rights that belong to the people that God has created. And God's put us in a country where we can honor and recognize that. And that is a wonderful thing. So the great, mighty things about freedom that we all ought to acknowledge and recognize and rejoice in. But one of the things that we need to recognize, too, is that there's a freedom beyond the liberty of the citizenship of this great country. There's a freedom that's given to us only by God as an act of God's grace, as an expression of God's power, and because of that, we can be free within ourselves from sin and bondage and entrapment to live our lives in victory, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and rejoicing in the freedom that he has given us to live a life of victory for God and God's glory. So I want you to look at, at a scripture with me. John chapter 8, verse 36, there's a scripture that most of you are familiar with. And that scripture is a repetition of the words of Jesus. It's a quotation from him. And in that verse, I read it in the English Standard Version, in that verse... The Lord Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you have the freedom and have received that freedom that has been brought to you by Jesus Christ, then you are totally, completely free indeed. That word indeed puts the emphasis on it. It means you will be really free. You will be totally free. You will be 
absolutely free. You will be irrevocably free and unconditionally free if you walk with the one who has granted you that freedom. Our foundation document of our nation has these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the real liberty, the real freedom that we seek is not political freedom, though that's valuable. It isn't just financial freedom, though that's certainly to be desired. And it isn't just physical freedom, though we would all long to be at that place where our bodies are completely free from sickness, disease, and those things that we sometimes have to tolerate. The real liberty, the real freedom that we seek is this. I want to give you this definition. The real freedom that we seek is the ability to walk in the Spirit in New Testament living that keeps us close to God as we conquer the carnal flesh. I didn't read that somewhere, but I prayed about it, and I said, God, give me a definition of spiritual freedom, spiritual liberty. Let me put it in a way that's clearly understandable. And this is the way I understand it. So I'm going to give it to you one more time. My definition of the spiritual freedom that we seek and that we have the right to experience and in which we can walk is this. That freedom is the ability to walk in the Spirit in New Testament living that keeps us close to God as we conquer the carnal flesh. We walk in the Spirit, and in that walk, freedom, liberation, victory, we conquer in Jesus' name. And that conquering gives us the exhilaration of the experience of free in Him. Now, you can restrict your freedom. Any kind of freedom can be restricted, including spiritual freedom. You can restrict. There are a lot of things that restrict our freedom that were common to us. You can restrict your freedom by debt. You have too much debt beyond your ability to pay. That's going to restrict your freedom, and sometimes even less than that will restrict your freedom. Another thing that can restrict your freedom is marriage. And even... Doesn't matter if you're a husband or a wife. It better restrict your freedom. You better not be doing just like you were before you got married. So there's some restrictions on freedom. And, and all restrictions are not bad. You know, becoming a parent changes things. Did ever did you learn that? Well, if you still have that to learn and haven't learned it yet, God help you because you've got a long ways to go. All kinds of wrong decisions will restrict your freedom. If you are foolish enough to go out and drink alcohol, if you're foolish enough to do that anyway, but beyond that, if you're foolish enough to do that and then get in the car and drive, you are not nearly as smart as I gave you credit for. Because that is a dumb thing to do. If you, did, if you didn't look at any spiritual value in it, just consider what the cost of that can be. On and on and on from the point of having to cost you financially in a tremendous way to the point of having to possibly wind up in jail because of an accident that happens. 
I'm going to say this one more time. I don't think many of you here would be guilty of it. Maybe nobody would. But just in case there's one solitary idiot in here, I'm going to tell you one more time. You're a fool if you drink alcohol and go drive a car. Amen, Pastor. I'm glad you got on that subject. Glory to God. And the next thing I was going to say, that you can make that bad decisions, really bad decisions, and wind up in jail. You go out and do something stupid, that is the breaking of the law, and you get charged with something, you may wind up in jail. And that will certainly restrict your freedom. I said one time a long time ago, and it's still true today. I've never pastored a church where I had so many church members in jail. I've gone to visit people in jail over and over here. I'm not glad about that. I wish that were never to happen. But that only happens when you are not walking in the Spirit and not living by the Word of God, because if you are, you will never wind up there. You won't make those stupid decisions because the Spirit of God will lead you otherwise, lead you in the wrong, a different direction, and lead you in the right direction. When I start saying things that I hadn't planned to say, I get really excited because I think God may be speaking to people. So, so I will assure you, there is a freedom that only comes by the experience of God's grace and power. And so now I want to make a really relevant comparison for you. If you read the book of Galatians, the first of the, after, after Corinthians and Romans and Galatians, you read the book of Galatians, and you will see in that teaching of the Apostle Paul a great statement about victory. And that whole book is about people who were set free, who heard the gospel, received Jesus Christ, were delivered from sins, made whole, and set free in victory, and then heard a false teaching and were persuaded by that teaching to turn away from the gospel that Paul had delivered to them by revelation, and because of that were becoming once again in the bondage from which the Lord had liberated them. So my message this morning to you is freed to be free, set free to stay free. It's wonderful to be set free by the delivering power of the Holy Spirit when Jesus liberates us from our sins and brings us back from spiritual death into spiritual life, that's a great, great experience and a great victory. We are set free from sin when that deliverance occurs. But it's also necessary from that point for us to walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says if we live by the Spirit, we must walk by the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, we must walk in the Spirit. It isn't enough to have the experience. We must live out that experience by our daily walk, by our daily decisions, and by our daily commitment to live free in Christ and to know His power to not only set us free, but to keep us free every single day of our lives. So the freedom, this is what the Scripture says, Galatians chapter 5. Now when I tell you about Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, let me tell you that Galatians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4 are all about people who've heard the gospel and release the power of the gospel and turn back to the Old Testament way of life. And Paul is saying someone has come 
and taught you an error. And if you have believed that error, you are accursed. And he makes it very plain and strong. He said in those chapters, if anyone turns away from the gospel revelation that I have given you, which is victory in Christ, not the law, but grace, not the Old Testament, but the New Testament, not an old covenant, but a new covenant. And Paul says we do not live under the terms of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament anymore. That is what the Spirit of God sets you free so you wouldn't be under that curse of the law any longer. And now if you chose to go back to that, you're giving yourself up, surrendering the liberty that Christ has given you. And why is this relevant to us? Because that was for the Jews who were practicing the things about the Old Testament. Well, it's relevant to us because if we look back at our lives and turn back and go into the things from which God set us free, we are renouncing the liberty that he has given us and returning ourselves to the bondage from which he delivered us. If God sets you free from an awful, consuming habit, name, your, name it, whatever it is that God sets you free from, some addiction you had, something that overcame you, whether it was alcohol, whether it was lust, whether it was immorality, whatever it may have been, God sets you free. And then you make a turn and go back into that and give up the freedom that he has given you and turn back into that from which he set you free and gave you freedom and liberty, you're putting yourself back into a greater bondage than you had before. That's what he's teaching them. And he says to them, if somebody comes and teaches you a gospel other than the one I've preached, which they were doing, let that person who preaches that other message be accursed because he's teaching you to turn back into bondage. Now, we have some of this today. We have a lot, and it's not new. It's always been around. There are people who want us to have vestiges of the Old Testament. They want us to hold on to things that God has changed. They want us to have the, and, and, and I'm going to say this, I hope, in a very clear way so that you understand where I am. If you celebrate, let's say, a feast of Israel, let's say if you do the Friday evening meal that the Jews traditionally practice, let's say if you decide to go to church on a Saturday, call it the Sabbath. I'm not telling you that that's wrong, that it's sin to do that. But I am telling you this, and listen carefully to me now, I am telling you this. If you do those things with the expectation and belief that they enhance your spiritual life, you're dead wrong. You're so far off base, you're not even in the ballgame. You read what the Apostle Paul says, and he makes it very, very clear that those things are gone. When the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom that opened up the Holy of Holies so that anybody could go in at the time that Jesus died on the cross, that was a changing of the covenant. That was a reestablishment of the plan of truth. That was the moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it's all right to do those things I just mentioned as long as you don't think that they're going to make you a better Christian. It's going to make you a better Christian to, 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 to observe the Shabbat. It's going to make you a better Christian to have the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's going to make you a better Christian if you go to church on Saturday as well as on Sunday or just go on Saturday if you have to make a choice because that's the Sabbath. Wrong, 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 wrong. That is not the New Testament. That is a holdover of the Old Testament and teachers who want to keep you in any element of bondage by bringing you back to the Old Testament are leading you astray. It is not the truth. 
And if you don't believe what I'm saying, just believe what the Apostle Paul said. You really don't have to read any more than Galatians. You can forget about the prophecies of Revelation. You don't have to understand Ezekiel. You get all those great messages of Isaiah. You don't have to understand any of that. Just read Galatians. That one book, you read Galatians, and you'll find everything I'm saying to you right now has the absolute truth based on the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he gave to the Apostle Paul for the world. So, there was a man who was going to come here at one time, and we've had a lot of things celebrating Israel, and we still do, still will. We're great supporters of Israel. But we've, we've had, we had one man here who was going to be invited to come. And he was going to come here and, and establish the Feast of, I think it's the Feast of Tabernacles. What is the October Feast? When do we do in October? Anyway, I think it was that. doesn't matter. It was a feast celebration. And uh, he sent me video of all how they do it, and they put on the robes, and they have the banners, and they wave them, and they do all the things that they did in the Old Testament. And I said, well, that's great. It's good for us to know those things. And we'd be glad to have you come and, and have that celebration in our church. But I have to clear one thing with you, brother. You're not going to be teaching that if we observe the Feast of Tabernacles every year, that we're going to be better Christians and closer to God, and that's a spiritual thing that's going to help us grow spiritually, are you? Well, um, um, uh, 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 well um, and so I just went ahead and finished it for him, because if you are, that's not what we want here. Well, that's the last I heard from him. And it's not what we want here. We don't want to celebrate the Old Testament because that's been changed. Our freedom in Christ has delivered us from the curse of the law. And every element and every aspect and every vestige that came from the law. We are New Testament, New Covenant, Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord believers, set free from all of that and from every bondage that will hold us down from victoriously living for Christ. That's not what we want to have as a part of our lives. So this is what Paul said now after the first four chapters of Galatians. And you want to talk, you want to find somebody who said it strongly, who said it straightforwardly, who had it, who said it without compromise, and who said it like a hammer coming down on the anvil. Read those, read, read Galatians to see what Paul said. So here's what he said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, continuing those past four chapters, he said this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. He set us free to be free. He set us free to stay free, not to return to anything that puts us in bondage again. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So somebody who's come along and is trying to persuade you, I don't know if I keep dwelling on this, but I'm going to for a while. If somebody's come along trying to persuade you that the real time to worship is Saturday, the Sabbath. If you can't find the answer of what Jesus said and what Paul said, come to me, bring them to me, and, and I'll share with them what Pastor says. And I'll just say again what Jesus said and what Paul said. That's all I have to go by. And it's all you better go by, too. Somebody's trying to draw you into something that anything that is of the Old Testament I'm not saying there aren't good things in the Old Testament. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying we're not to be drawn back to the living of the law. Paul said those people who were the Judaizers wanted to get all of the Gentiles that got saved circumcised. And Paul said if you allow yourself to be circumcised as a spiritual experience to show that you're dedicated to God, then you're obligated to keep the whole law. 
has already been determined. We can't keep the law. That's why we needed Jesus on the cross to liberate us and set us free. That's why we have a new covenant. That's what Paul taught. So he set us free so that we can stay free. And once he has set us free, he wants us to stay free, not just for a temporary time. He wants us to stay free for a lifetime. He wants us to live in the liberty and freedom that Jesus died to give us. And you can have that liberty by walking in the Spirit, by listening to the guiding voice of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come to remind us of all truth that he had said and to teach us all things, to remind us of what Jesus taught us and to teach us all things that we need to know to walk with him in freedom and victory. So when we, so when we come to this place, we, 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 we get into the point that Paul warns us, just like he warned the Galatians, to never allow ourselves to be drawn back again into any bondage from which the Lord has already delivered us. From any bondage. Don't be drawn back into any bondage from which the Lord has already delivered us. I just mentioned the moments ago. Habits. Those things that once afflicted us, those things that once held us down, those things that were sin, that were like chains and manacles on us, that kept us from walking in liberty and living in liberty and freedom. Those things Jesus has delivered us from, set us free from them, made us whole from them. Never turn again to the things from which God has delivered you in Christ. Because if you do, your bondage will be greater than it was before. So my message to you today is not just about being set free, which Jesus does by the grace of God and by the power of his blood. He breaks every chain. He loosens us from every bondage. He tears up every manacle that holds us down, makes us free to walk in him. And then in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to stay free. So my message is not just about being set free but maintaining that freedom in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life for a lifetime. You never have to return to it again. And there are so many things, so many things out there that can be drawn, that can draw upon you to draw you back into those things that he has set you free from. So walking in the Holy Spirit keeps you free from the bondage of sin. I was preaching here one Wednesday night. And I started talking about the prayer shawl. Now, I don't know if any of you have a prayer shawl. It's okay if you do. If you put it on before you get down by your bedside, drape it around your shoulders to pray with it and finger the fringes on the edge of it. If you want to do that, it's all right, as long as you don't think that's drawing you closer to God. If you think that's drawing you closer to God, you're mistaken, misdirected, misled, and mistaught. It's never going to draw you closer to God. Well, Jesus had a prayer shawl. Well, Jesus was living under the Old Testament until he died on the cross. He taught the breaking of the law, really, if you think about it. Jesus proved his own teaching that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Man's victory is greater than the Sabbath, in other words. The liberty of Christ is greater than that. And he set us free from that bondage. So I was preaching this Wednesday night. I somehow started talking about the prayer shawl. And because I had seen it on TV, there was a, one of my favorite TV preachers was offering me a prayer shawl for $40. And I 
all the great things that the Jews did with the prayer shawl, how Jesus had one, and all those great things. And if you order this prayer shawl for $40, you can put it around your shoulders when you get down to pray and this and that and the other and all that. And after it got to that point, I knew that was on the wrong track. So I was talking about that Wednesday night. And I said just what I said to you. If you think having a prayer shawl is going to make you pray better, going to give you more faith, draw you closer to God, you just better get rid of all that and go back to the Word of God and stop playing with furniture and with clothing and all those kinds of things. Because I will tell you, go down here and drape yourself across this wood around this altar. And you can drape yourself across this and put your knees on those nice little pads and cushion right there all you want to. But when you get down here, unless you make a real commitment to God, sell yourself out to Jesus Christ and commit yourself to walk by the Holy Spirit, you might as well be laying out in the middle of the floor down there in the aisle. Don't think that is an invitation to do it. So it's got to be real in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. So I told all about the prayer shawl, and I said how foolish it is to think to believe that. It's not New Testament. And somebody came up after church and said, Pastor, I really, really want to thank you for your message tonight. I said, well, why? Well, you saved me $40. I was getting ready to send off tomorrow for a prayer shawl. So at least it was worth something. It was worth her $40. So, so living in the freedom that Jesus has given us allows no return to the things from which he has set us free. We've got to be free in it and then live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. It's a life-changing experience, my friends. And I will tell you this, walking in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, will, if you do that, will keep you from the bondage of sin. Bondage is the opposite of liberty and freedom. But living and walking in the Holy Spirit will keep you from the bondage of sin. One thing we have to make sure of that we remember. The Holy Spirit gives us liberty. There's an exhilarating freedom. There's an exhilarating liberty. When you're in Christ and you know you're walking with Him and you're doing every day, all you know to do is led by the Holy Spirit to walk in Him, to glorify Him, to stay free in Him. There's a liberation about that. And sometimes people get so free in the Spirit that they become lax about guarding and keeping the guard up and being very careful about those things, that they must maintain a vigilance about not being drawn back into. So the one thing to know about having the liberty of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But it's also true that liberty is not license. You do not have the liberty to sin because God forgives sin. Just because you know that God's going to forgive you, and he will when you fall and you fail, but when you intentionally go out and sin and say, it's all right for me to do this because I'll go ask Jesus to forgive me, and he will. That's a terrible position to take, my friends. And it's a dangerous one because what will happen as you return to those old ways and those things begin to attach themselves to you and you begin to walk in those ways again it will change your status your standing with the Lord and your liberty it will change that and it will become more and more you will, you will become more and more callous in your spirit more hardened about the things of God less concerned about that intimate close touch of relationship with him 
because you figure after a while I can come back and recover from all of this. And the problem is you keep going in that direction, going in a backward direction, and the further you get from the liberty of Christ, the less interest and concern there is in regaining it. Be careful of the way the enemy wants to lead you astray and stand firmly, firmly upon the victory of Christ in his word. Because, my friends, no matter what anybody else says to you, no matter what any pastor or preacher or TV evangelist or friend of yours that you met because God put him in your path or whatever you believe about it, if they start telling you something that isn't right down the line according to the Scripture, you need to pull a big mark across your line walking with him and pull yourself back. And it doesn't matter about friendship. It doesn't matter about leadership. When you find out you're being led astray and taught to move astray and to believe things that are contrary to God's Word, you need to put a halt to it, change your way, come back into the liberty of Christ and live in the freedom and the victory that only Jesus can give you. When there's a question about whether it's right or wrong, read the book. When there's a question about the Sabbath, read the book. When there's a question about living for God, is this right or wrong, read the book. When there's a question about where you stand with God, am I getting right instruction, read the book. It's right here. God's given us a revelation of his truth. And if we'll hold to that truth, there will always be victory because the truth will set us free and the spirit of truth in Christ will keep us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No soldier, Paul wrote to Timothy, no soldier gets entangled into civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. A man who is called into the military to serve doesn't allow himself to get entangled with other things, but keeps his vision straightforward to do what the commander tells him to do. And that's what Paul is saying we will do if we follow the Lord, to follow the Holy Spirit. And here's the important thing, my friends. You will know. You will know. You will know in your spirit as the Holy Spirit communicates with you when it's something that the enemy is suggesting to you. Whether it's something that is immoral, something that's just, you know it's wrong down inside and you want to try to justify it. You made a promise to God, and you started out keeping that promise to God, and then you didn't really keep it very well. You got a little bit of lax on it. Next thing you know, you're not keeping that promise. You promised the Lord you'd, do, you'd give a certain thing, and that's obedience to him, and then you back away from that obedience, and you get more and more slack about it. And the more you do, the further you move away from God. And what you really want to do is try to move closer and closer to him for whatever commitment he requires whatever commitment it takes from you to move closer to him into that fullness of greater victory that Jesus has for you. Move closer to him. Always move in the direction of closer to him. Never further from him. I got reminded of an old song this week. When I started walking about singing it, and I, I went and looked it up. Maybe you remember it. It was written by a preacher. His name was William Tinley, a black man, who had a great, great ministry. And as he wrote many, many hymns, he, he became the pastor of a church in Philadelphia that grew and grew, and we'll find they had many thousands of people there. 
And one of the great songs that he wrote was this one, where he, when he said, Nothing between my soul and my Savior, naught of this world's delusive dreams. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing and then the chorus says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. We ought to take heed to that great truth. And then he said, Nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem. Must not my heart from him ever sever? He is my all. There's nothing between. Nothing between like pride or station. Self-life or friends shall not intervene. Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved. There's nothing between. Nothing between. Even many hard trials. Though the whole world against me convene, watching with prayer and much self-denial, I'll triumph at last with nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. If you want to stay free in Christ, let nothing come between you and heaven. Let nothing come between if you want to stay free in Christ. And when you live that life, you will live that life in victory and in the freedom, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that the Holy Spirit will move upon this place this morning, upon every heart, upon every person here. God, I ask you in Jesus' name to do a great work in the hearts of sitting in this congregation this morning, because you know the heart of every person here, Lord, certainly beyond anything that I know. And if it seems that I, to anyone here that I preached anything this morning that is right down in their life and personal to them, you know, Lord, it's not because I know anything about it, it's because the Holy Spirit brings truth to us when we need it the most. And I ask that will be the case today with every person here. Now, while your heads are still bowed and we're waiting on the Lord, be in a spirit of prayer, please.